Hey everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin, one of your other hosts. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. And Colin, we have a very special uh, first on the show. We do. This is our first backdated episode. That's right. It's... um. Oh, we're recording this on uh, June 20th, mm-hmm. uh, 2021, yep. and we have officially had an episode of something come out where we've already passed by. We already we already get, went by. This episode will, in quotations, air before we ever recorded it. <laughs> exactly. Which exactly. is exactly why the timeline of the MCU is so confusing <laughs> and why our timeline is so confusing. Yeah. So, Here's, here's uh, just to give people like kind of a peek at what that means. So what you said, right, is true. Today is the 20th of June, 2021. This episode, though, will say that it aired on June 2nd, yeah. 2021. Right. Because it's about an episode that aired on TV on June 16th, right. 2021. So there you have it. That's four, <laughs> sorry, three separate numbers. Yeah. And to add an extra number to it, it's about 79 AD. Right. Uh, this is, I was talking to my dad about this. It's really fun because it's a very time travely thing. If you started this show after we published this episode, nothing will appear to be different. Yes, correct. If you've been with us since the beginning, your timeline has changed. Go back. Yeah. It's like a very time traveling thing. Actually, <laughs> if you've been listening since the beginning, you're actually not allowed to go backwards in time. So if you're listening to this right now, James Wilcox, uh, that means that you are listening to an illegal episode for you. <laughs> yeah. And that makes you a variant, and we're going to have to take the, you out. The TSVA is on its way, the Timeline Scavengers Variant Authority. Variant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, as Colin said, we are doing 79 AD. This is for... Uh, Loki, season one, episode two. It's called The Variant. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yes. This is a major spoiler, like, Mm. already. Oof. This is, yeah, this is, Colin, I think this is the most spoiler that we've had so far on the show. And you know, okay, again, once again, another thing to add to the timeline, we talk in a quote-unquote future episode about how we should maybe give spoiler alerts (laughs) for brand new things. And look at this. Now we this is a, even now this is the quote unquote first one. Yeah. It's crazy how this works. This is this, so exciting. This episode has to... so many things that are gonna be like, that'll happen in the future. That'll happen. Don't worry about it. That'll happen in the future. So hang mm-hmm. on tight. We're 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 lost in time right now. Um Absolutely. This takes place between uh minutes twenty four fifty six and twenty seven twenty-five on mm-hmm. uh season one, episode two of Loki. Uh, this episode is directed by Kate Heron, as are all the episodes of Loki. Uh, this one was written by Alyssa Karasik. Uh, this is her first written by credit, which is oh, kind of cool. That's um, cool. She was previously wow, credited. Wow, what a first, what a first right? episode to have. I mean, not a bad start into the business of, For of real. writing credits. Like, Because this was a good episode of TV. You know what I mean? I do. This was very, very good. And and listener, you'll find out how good over the course of the next 15, 15 to 20 years. years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 15, it, it's 15. It has to be 15 now. Um, she does have... Uh, her, the only other credits she has on IMDb are as assistant to executive producers. 
And mm. she has that credit for 12 episodes of Backstrom, which was a post office. Rain Wilson is a surly, grumpy detective, but oh, he's very good. And yes. He wears, like, okay. A I have seen yeah. that. I was like, yeah. that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yes. And then she, uh, then here's her big one. Uh, she was the assistant to executive producers on 58 episodes of Bones. And, That's a lot of episodes. But doesn't that make sense for this episode? Like a procedural, kind of like an extra. Yeah, actually. An extraordinary yes. procedural. Like it feels like, yeah, no, I see some bones here. Like. I mean, in a way, you're about to see a lot, right? In 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 kind of a way, yes. Um, a spoiler so to the spoiler. <laughs> here's, um, here's the summary of what happens in 79 AD for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I guess, a warning. Much of this might, maybe might not make sense to you. <laughs> so, but here's the spoiler of literally what happens. Mobius reluctantly follows Loki to 79 AD, Pompeii, where he advises him to create minuscule disturbances. Instead, Loki loudly warns the locals of the impending eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Despite Loki's efforts to create a town of variants, no branches are formed. The pair return to the TVA as the village is destroyed, now knowing that Loki's theory is correct. So I don't think here's here's what I'm going to say. I think maybe we don't uh, we don't expound on what much of anything else is. We see what happens in 79. The theory was presented in the TVA. So that's not right now. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. We can't say anything else on it. Exactly. I mean, I I will tell you uh, two very small facts about this, though. Yeah. Um, which is that we have introduced both Loki and Mobius right. uh, in we've, the future. <laughs> we, right, we've, we've now we've ta- yeah. I it's go- it's going to be weird here for a second. We've talked about Mobius, who is played by Owen Wilson, uh, five uh, fourteen hundred and seventy years in the future. So mm-hmm. <laughs> go go to the sixteenth century, and you'll find us talk about uh, Owen Wilson, TLDR, Wes Anderson. And no real other sort of comic booky stuff. Right. Now, Loki, we haven't seen played by oh, Tom a, Hiddleston yet. That's a good point, actually. So yeah. do you want to do his intro in this one? I mean, we I might have, as well, right? I have some I have some stuff, though I did edit it heavily for uh spoilers, I guess. That's for fair. future plot points. So I have some I have well, I have an I have a little bit of uh alias investigations to do. Ooh, okay. Um, and a little bit of Loki lore. Lorky. Uh, okay, so. Uh, um, oh, sorry. Before before you hop yeah. into that, uh, yeah. just because I, I don't want to, like, lose this other thing that I was going to say, because uh, I'll definitely forget yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I want to tell people how impressed I am by James <laughs> Anderson. So when, uh, like, the new shows come out, you know, we pretty much, like, whoever watches it first essentially just sort of messages the other one just to sort of say, kind of just some generic notes like we don't yeah. spoil anything for the other one we just sort of are like okay it's a bunch of like this you know there's no yeah. time like time yeah. jumps or anything do we have uh, new episodes to work to pop in there is sort of the main the main right. gist is, of the the first message salvo right correct um and i did send a message to james being like okay i'm not going to spoil anything i just want to let you know that i'm so excited that we have our first backdated episode because in this episode they go back to 79 a.d and I mean, without missing a beat, James goes, 79 AD. So they go to Pompeii. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, not, I mean, it was like maybe 30 seconds 
<laughs> and that 30 seconds was James typing it out. I mean, I was shocked. Like, I knew, obviously, what happens to Pompeii, right, in history. <laughs> right, sure. And Vesuvius and everything. But, like, if you asked me before this episode, what year did that happen in? I'd be like, sometime before 1000 AD. No. Like, that's, that's the closest same. I could get you. I would say same. The reverse, if you were like, Pompeii, what year are we going to? I'm not sure I would have pulled 79. You know, I think the only reason why it makes sense is maybe it's because that's like the only major event in the world that I could yeah. think of yeah. before 1000 AD. You'd, you'd yeah. be like, yeah. I mean, maybe actually, truth be told, when did they build the Great Wall of China? I don't know that. I either. mean, that 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 was sort of a gradual a gradual thing. I think it was well, already yeah, built. I think it was a that BC wasn't a day. Thing. Yeah, but, but yeah. they as they say, the Great Wall of China wasn't built in a day. Um, I had every really time talk. I go to take a yeah. sip of something, that's when James decides. <laughs> To try and drop a joke in. I actually kind of like <laughs> choked a little bit on that drink. I it almost didn't go down. Uh no, but anyway, Listen, I just wanted to point out speed up at the end there. That was to get yeah. it in as the tilt as was the happening. Gulp was happening. <laughs> I, I just feel like, you know, again, I was just so impressed. I was like, God damn, James. I mean, leave some brains for the rest of us. I was like, this is so impressive. Uh okay. <laughs> well, anyway, now with that being <laughs> said, <you. laughs> we may return to uh all of the Loki lore. All the Loki lore. Um, so, uh, the guy that plays Loki is named Tom Hiddleston. Never heard of him. Well, you know, he played uh, Loki. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> no. It, uh, so, in addition to Loki, uh, having played Loki in Thor's one, two, and three, Avengers, Avengers: Infinity War, and Avengers: Endgame, mm-hmm. and Loki, the television program that we're talking about now. Uh, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was. He has also been in Kong Skull Island. Uh, Muppets Most Wanted and right. a movie called I Saw the Light where he portrays country and western godfather Hank Williams oh that's right yeah do you know who plays his wife in that movie um no actually I don't uh, an actress that we're gonna meet in the future named Elizabeth Olsen plays his oh, wife in that okay. movie oh okay I that's felt like cool. I had I was looking at a a cut scene from WandaVision when I saw them together I was like that's not wait a minute what reality are we living in? What's going on? You know, right. Okay, real quick side note. So we're recording this on uh, June 20th, like we were said earlier. Yeah. But if in the future, if you aren't aware, June 20th of 2021 was Father's Day. Yeah. Uh, and I was summer on a, solstice. That's true. I was on a Zoom call, like not even two hours ago with my parents. We were talking about some movies that my dad has watched recently, just kind of out of the blue. Yeah. And my dad was like, yeah, I've seen this, this, and this. And uh, pretty recently I watched, oh, no, sorry. We, okay, I remember how we got here. We actually were talking about Brie Larson. And mm-hmm. my parents were like, would I know her from anything? And I was like, well, you've seen her in Captain Marvel. And they're like, oh, okay. And my dad goes, I feel like I've seen her somewhere else recently. I was like, I don't know what movie you would have seen her in. And my dad goes, was she in a King Kong movie? And I was like, yeah. Was she in Kong Skull Island? Yeah, and then he goes, and Samuel L. Jackson's in it. And I was like, yes. And then he was like, and John Goodman. And I was like, what the hell? I mean, like, my dad, who's, I don't think, ever watched a Godzilla or King Kong movie in his life, suddenly was just, like, prattling off the listing of Kong Skull Island. It, uh, I, Kong Skull which, Island? I, Marvel uh, spinoff movie? Secret yes, Marvel because you want to know who the four top build people are? Who we got? Tom Hiddleston. Yep. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Brie Larson and John yep. C. Riley. 
Isn't that nuts? That like all four of them are all Marvel actors as well. That's hilarious. And then John Goodman. I mean, if you ask me, like that's a pretty stellar right. cast. Future Marvel oh, star. Oh, and Eugene John Cordero is also in it. Uh, he's he's Casey in. He's Luke. Casey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't yep. gotten there yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, one other big name who I don't think has been in the MCU yet, but Mark Evan Jackson, um, who no. you've definitely seen before yeah. in your life. Oh, I know, I know Mark Evan Jackson because okay. he hosts the Good Place podcast. Yes. And oh yeah, is yeah, yeah. Sean okay. on the Good Place and uh, Captain Holt's husband. Yes. Okay. I didn't know you watched both of those series. So yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't remember what his name is on on uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, but um, yeah, Kevin. It's Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, it's Kevin. Of course, it's Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin Feige is the name of uh, Mark Evan Jackson's character on the on Mark, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mark Evan jo- uh, Jackson plays Kevin Feige IRL. <laughs> there actually is no Kevin Feige. It's um, not it's cosplay. Just a, it's actually a felony. Um, <laughs> it's identity theft. <laughs> All right. So uh, that is Tom Hiddleston. Oh, I have a quote from him. I have a quote from Tom Hiddleston about playing Loki, and I thought it was very good. Okay. Uh, uh, warning the use of the word cat to mean uh, guy in sort of a 60s like jazz club sort of way is used here so you've been warned the key thing about any character I play is I have to start from a place of compassion my stepping into the silhouette comes from attempting to understand his point of view so even though he is and has been regarded as a villain an antagonist anti-hero in my mind, as I play him, I have to fight in his corner. Having said that, from an objective intellectual standpoint, Loki is a deeply mixed up cat. Um, hmm. So Tom Hiddleston breaking down Loki very uh, efficiently, I feel like. that. I was like, that's Loki. Yep, we got it. Got it in one. You know, it was very interesting. I remember he had a quote not that long ago about um, he was... Uh, like on his birthday, he was on the set of Thor, okay, and at playing Loki, uh, turning thirty, okay, right, and then he turned forty on set of Loki playing Loki, <laughs> and you know they were asking him how that felt, and he was like, I mean, it's been truly incredible, and he was like, and I mean, I, he goes, it's probably too much to ask, but I would feel, I think it was something along the lines of, I would feel blessed. If I was, if I turned 50 on set as Loki as well. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. But like, it's kind of cool to think about how, like, for a straight decade, the yep. man's been Loki. Yep. He's been Loki killing it as, as this villain of Thor and Avengers. Um, I have, Colin, an installment of Alias Investigations. That's James Bond, but still, we'll get some sort of little jazzy stinger here. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of like an Ad Boys, like the Ad Boys oh, jangle. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I also put any future spoilers have been removed for the nicknames, like you know, like sure. <laughs> Loki. Killer of JFK, like, no, no, no. Um, right. Okay, so, okay. God of Mischief, Loki of Asgard, yeah, yeah. Cow. Okay. Because of the horns. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Master of Magic, Your Majesty, Son of Odin, mm-hmm. The Worthy Son, The Rightful King of Asgard, Asgardian, 
Reindeer Games, again, the horn. <laughs> that has to be a Tony Stark one, right? I believe it is, yes. Yeah. To- only Tony Stark would reference that, I thought, fairly decent Ben Affleck, Charlize Theron movie. Also the part in, uh, in Rudolph Red Nose Xander. But um, the would-be king, Ant, Real Power, Rock of Ages, Brother of Thor, Puny God, The War Criminal, The Asgardian Mussolini, Odin, <laughs> Ghost, Lackey, Peace Offering, Savior, and Long-Haired Creepo. I love when you can tell it's like one of the heroes calling him something (laughs) and then himself calling him, like him calling himself something. Like when he's like, you know, higher purpose. It's very clearly Loki when they're like, you know, little asswipe over here. And and that's like, you know, puny God, very clearly Hulk. And then like. The rightful heir to the throne. Okay, surely that one is signed Loki. You know, like big signature underneath that one. Weirdly, also Loki, long-haired creepo. Sometimes you yeah. own your stuff, you know? it's like I, You know, sometimes you just know your own brand. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so let's do. Let's talk a little bit about, about Loki, the comic book character, and then we'll get into some Palm payment. Um, <laughs> please join our Palm Patreon. We'll get to that at the end. Um, that's why I put my name as that. Um Cut that. Got some explosive but, uh, content. The, ex- hey, that's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So, Loki's first appearance was in Venus number six in August 1949. You all might remember that. Yes, that episode has happened as the first appearance <laughs> of the Frost Giants. Um, mm-hmm. That's also where they first appeared. Uh, in the comics, I can't stress this enough, in the comics, Loki Laufey's son is the son of Queen Farbaudi and King Laufey, leader of the giants of Jotunheim. He was born small and was an embarrassment to his parents and was segregated <laughs> from other giants. Oh my God. Loki's reading this like, oh, come on. <laughs> I'm not that small. <laughs> Using magics, the future Loki came to Jotunheim's past, tricked Bor and turned him in, and turned him in snow. Maybe turned him into snow? That doesn't make much sense. I think that's what it's supposed to say. Yeah. As Bor withered, he asked Odin to help him, but his son ignored him. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Loki then <laughs> haunted Odin in the guise of Bor's ghost. Years passed, and eventually, this is a long con, years passed, and eventually, he asked Odin to adopt the son of a fallen king he would have killed, and that would pay his debt. Meanwhile, he went to the present Loki, explaining to him how to become a god by tricking Odi, Odin and Laufey. Loki went to Laufey, giving him information about where Odin would be positioned in the following battle and taunting him to attack Odin. As he hinted, Laufey was a coward. His father struck him, but decided to slay the Allfather. Odin confronted Laufey and left him for dead. Loki rushed into the battlefield, faking grief and anger, only to make Odin to only to make Odin recognize his strength and press him to adopt him. Out of a combination of honor, pity, and obligation. Odin adopted the boy, raising him alongside his own biological son, Thor, while future Loki came to punish Laufey for his past brutalities. So in the comics, Loki's entire thing is a thing that Loki did for Loki to do to Loki. Right. Over and over and over and it's, over and over. It's a time loop. <laughs> yeah. And it is a time variance. And surely yeah. <laughs> the TVA would have shut that shit down. <clears throat> but that's what was supposed to happen, clearly. So... Oh, yeah, you know, that's a good point. He can't exist in the future if he doesn't do the time loop. Exactly. Uh, let's do the time loop again. Right? Let's do the time loop again. 
So I was just on a loop. Uh, Thanks. I don't know if you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a cannon, right? Yeah. Exa- right. Like or Michael like a, like a round. Shore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Around. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, it's a time shanty. Okay. Uh, growing to <laughs> adulthood. No, uh, throughout their childhood and into adolescence, Loki became resentful of how differently he and Thor were treated by the general Asgardians, Asgardian citizenry, valuing great strength, tenacity, and battle bravery above all. Oof. Ugh, you ever come to a come to a competition and you're like, I'm in the wrong room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Asgardians clearly favored Thor. Every Loki's field day that I ever was at, <laughs> when I was like, hey, I everyone, am in you the ready wrong for some place. Science. Oh God. Oh geez. Oh, what day shit. is it? <laughs> Uh, so Loki's gifts however lay in other areas most notably sorcery possessing a natural affinity for commanding great magical forces he schemed to use his power to destroy Thor and become the most powerful in all of Asgard growing to adulthood his devious proclivities manifested in earnest Loki dubbed himself the god of mischief however instead of playing harmless pranks on others his deeds grew steadily more malicious as his lust for power and revenge became all too apparent in time, his purview extended from being a playful and mischievous trick- trickster to the god of evil. And the last sentence, An I feel like... outright murderer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a plain, just e- just plain evil. Just that's it. Uh, this sentence that I'm about to read is uh, a summary of uh, about 50 years of comic book history. Over the centuries, Loki took every chance to take over Asgard and kill Thor, period. <laughs> so... I mean... That honest to God, that is painfully accurate. I mean, like within comic books, within yeah. cartoons, within yeah. video games, every turn you get with Thor, it's just like at some point, Loki is sitting there like, ooh, I'm gonna get you this time. Yeah. It feels a exactly. little bit like the Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote. It you know? Only very much does. Only the Roadrunner can beat the ever loving shit out of the, <laughs> the coyote. Hey, Photoshop uh, wizards, I would love a Thor as Roadrunner, Loki as Wile E. Coyote. Just like I'm picturing Chris Hemsworth uh, from the waist up and from the waist down, just a spinning leg circle. Yeah, yeah. And then Loki maybe with just like hands on a plunger of TNT. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay. So uh, a couple of uh, trivias about uh, the MCU Loki. Tom okay. Hiddleston, the actor who portrays Loki, remember him who? before? Before uh, oh, Tommy right. Tommy H, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy hid hid face. We'll work on it. Uh, we'll, originally we'll auditioned, it he originally auditioned for the role of Thor. Um, yeah, and they were like, um, no. He, it's he kind of like what we were saying they earlier. Buff, <laughs> exactly. exactly. They, they want it buff. They want it strong. And he walked in. He's like, "I'm uh, 150 wet." You know, he's like, but "Actually, I think I read that he buffed up to audition for Thor. Like yeah. he like gained weight and muscle and stuff." Yeah. He was like, "I'm Loki. I mean Thor." Crap. <laughs> and they were like, "Still not enough, bud." <laughs> um, Charlie Cox auditioned for the role of Loki. That is Netflix's Daredevil. Yeah. And Loki is the first MCU villain to appear in multiple films in the franchise, not counting appearances through photographs and archive footage. So that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now. Oh, you said the first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. I was like Thanos was in multiple, but then yeah, yeah. But first, now I realize exactly. right. So now it's time to get real. You get real ashy. Um, we're going to talk Pompeii. So. Here's a summary of what happened in Pompeii. 
In the late summer or autumn of 79 AD, Mount Vesuvius violently spewed forth a deadly cloud of superheated tephra and gases to a height of 33 kilometers, which is 21 miles, ejecting molten rock, pulverized pumice, and hot ash at 1.5 million tons per second, ultimately releasing 100,000 times the thermal energy of the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Good lord. So, yeah. The the event gives its name to the Vesuvian type of volcanic eruption, characterized by eruption columns of hot gases and ash exploding into the stratosphere, although the event also included pyroclastic flows associated with Pelion eruptions. Um, let's go, Pelion. Um, at the time, the, that was a Peloton. I, anyways. Uh, at the time, the region was a part of the Roman Empire, and several Roman cities were obliterated and buried underneath massive pyroclastic surges and ashfall deposits. The best known being Pompeii and this other place, Herculaneum. So like hmm. Pompeii, Herculaneum down here, here at the bottom. No offense, Herculaneums. It's just, you know, Pompeii. After archaeological ex- excavations revealed much about the lives of the inhabitants, the area became a major tourist attraction and is now a UNESCO World Heritage Site and part of Vesuvius National Park. Um. The total population of Pompeii and Herculaneum was over 20,000, and the remains of over 1,500 people have been found at Pompeii and Herculaneum so far, although the total death toll from the eruption remains unknown. God, that is so many people. It's so many people. The story my dad always told me was um, someone was serving tea when Vesuvius went off, Mm -hmm. and they found them in their kitchen like... The teacups were still on the table, and you could tell, like, the designs on the teacups because they were so perfectly preserved. And that is just absolutely wild to me. I mean, horrible, horrifying, violent tragedy. Archaeological, just absolute, just wild part. I mean, yeah. I mean, archaeologically, we found some pretty wild stuff with Pompeii. Like, I mean, like, I think it was, like, within the last 10 years, they found something that is not safe for work. That I won't share mm-hmm, here, but like mm-hmm, it is to this yeah. day still kind of one of the funniest things that I've ever heard. Where it's like, well, I'm gonna die anyway, might as well. And I'm like, you know, pretty funny, honestly. Um, that you know, that probably was like, you know, I'm gonna die, so let's make it a story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel a little bit more okay with the archaeological fascination of Pompeii because it wasn't a human atrocity. Does that make I, sense? Yeah, no, I agree with that. It was. The volcano fucking blew, and I'm sorry, but like, sorry, you know. Right. Like, well, I mean, like at the end of the day, like there's like literal science to figure out here, yeah, like how, exactly. exactly how it happened. I mean, like it literally was like, I mean, like in an instant, things were just like. <laughs> Listen, don't snap like that on this show. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. I, you James should never just snap on a Marvel show. What did you say? James just disappears. Yeah. I'm oh, like, Mr. Parker, I don't feel so good. Don't do that to me. <laughs> you know that that scene still to this day makes me, I mean, like I sobbed during that scene. It's so bad. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So um, I think that it is it is much preferable, if, if I may speak for the citizens of Pompeii and Herculaneum, to be perfectly preserved in ash than completely, absolutely like new, uh, disintegrated by a volcanic eruption so that no mm-hmm. one knows you were there. So if you have to pick one, maybe preservation so that future people can study your society is preferable. Yeah, um, yeah. 
The other thing that I found, um, and then I want to talk a little bit about Loki's whole deal. Um, although this is a little bit long. I found, so they, um, they wanted to figure out when in 79 it happened. Okay. And this, this fascinated me. Um, so it says Vesuvius and its destructive eruption are mentioned in first century Roman sources, but not the day of the eruption. For Hmm. example, Josephus in his Antiquities of the Jews mentions that the eruption occurred, quote, in the days of Titus Caesar. Um, Suetonius, a second century historian in his life of Titus simply says that there were some dreadful disasters during his reign, such as the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in Campania. So then writing well over a century after the event, Roman historian Cassius Dio, as translated in the Loeb Classical Library 1925 edition, wrote that in Campania, remarkable and frightful occurrences took place for a great fire suddenly flared up at the very end of the summer. So in 200 years later, this guy's saying it was in summer. Um, now, just out of yeah. curiosity, did no one have one of those like, you know, Garfield a day calendars well, on their like desk or something? And this is this is like, all right. So like, remember back in the day, you don't remember because this is hundreds and hundreds of years ago. <laughs> sure. Back in the day, it was sort of like you wrote. And if you had to speculate, you just wrote that like fact too. It's fine. It's whatever. So we're going to zoom into present-ish day where people are like, what if we actually went to Pompeii and see if there are any clues to tell us when this was, which feels very much like a timeline scavengers. Let's look at the movie and see if there's a calendar on the screen or whatever sort of thing to do. Um, So it says, uh, for the past five centuries, articles about the eruption of Vesuvius have typically said that the eruption began on August 24th of 79 AD. This date came from a 1508 printed version of a letter between Pliny the Younger and Roman historian Tacitus, written some 25 years after the event. Pliny was a witness to the eruption and provides the only known eyewitness account. Pliny the Younger was Pliny the Elder, see Sawbones' nephew. Dude was like on a business trip off the island. And he came back to find that his uncle was like trying to rescue folks, but like plenty of the elder did not, uh, did not make it out of, uh, Pompeii. So, um, damn, so he was, dude, this is, I mean, that's like the 79 AD version of like nine 11 stories oh, where it's hey, like, listen, I was supposed to be in I mean, Pompeii and I went what, away on a business trip. You know what I mean? It's like, what? Yeah. I mean, not, I mean, nine 11, I don't mean, you know, ne- Whatever this nine eleven is a minor version, but kind of yeah, ash right. and smoke and and all this stuff. I mean, yes, well, I just mean absolutely. like the idea of like this no, yeah. huge tragedy, yeah. and someone's like, hey, you know, why don't we just go out of town for the weekend? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then like they turn on the news or whatever you like. <laughs> right. They turn on the news, meaning like they go down to the a town guy comes center. into the room, <laughs> yeah, and goes, "Hear ye, hear ye, your home is gone." Like what? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> This feels strangely focused on me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So, well, well, sir, why are you staring directly <laughs> into my eyes during this? <laughs> it's not. It's just your imagination. My eyes aren't following you, Pliny the Younger. Wait. <laughs> Wait. I mean, just the first part. All right. So, uh, Pliny was witness to the eruption and provides the only known eyewitness account. I said that over 14 centuries of manuscript hand copying up to the 15, 1508 printing of his letters, the date given in Pliny's original letter may have been corrupted. It's 1500 years let's cut the copier some slack 
Manuscript experts believe that the date originally given by Pliny was one of August 24th, October 30th, November 1st, or November 23rd. The odd set, the odd scattered set of date is due to the the Romans convention for describing calendar dates. There's a link. I didn't click on it. It felt like the rabbit hole that I needed to stop right. at. That's fair. Um, but so basically something about how they describe their stuff is like it's this, 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 or this. Probably moon things, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Harvest times, whatever. Um, the large majority of extant medieval manuscript copies, there are not there are no surviving Roman copies indicate a date corresponding to August 24th, and from the discovery of the cities into the 21st century, this was accepted by most scholars and by nearly all books written about Pompeii and Herculaneum for the public. Oh, that's also the thing. They talked about Pompeii, and then I think in like the 19th century, people like were like, oh, hey, here, hey, I found Pompeii, everyone. I fa- Remember that thing? Pompeii, Got it's this island right here, got it. Um, Okay, so since it, since at least the late 18th century, a minority among archaeologists and other scientists have suggested that the, erupti- the eruption began after August 24th during the autumn, perhaps in October or November. In 1797, the researcher Col- Carlo Rossini reported that excavations at Pompeii and Herculaneum had uncovered traces of fruits and braziers indicative of the autumn, not the summer. They'd gotten out hmm. their autumn plates and fruits to use. More recently, in 1990 and 2001, archaeologists discovered more remnants of autumnal fruits, such as the pomegranate, the remains of victims of the eruption in heavy clothing, and large earthenware storage vessels laden with wine at the time of the burial, at the time of their burial by Vesuvius. The wine-related discovery may show that the eruption was after the year's grape harvest and winemaking. In 2007, how, a, how was the that? wine? Did they? I test think it? they did try it. I think someone did try it and said it was like fucking awful. Oh, well, I mean, I was going to say it was exposed to a terrible gas. Yeah. I, so I, I think I they were sealed. I think they okay. were sealed, but it was like, I may be thinking of another super duper old wine, but I mm-hmm. think that I recall that they were like, I mean, I'm a wine guy. I'm a wine archaeologist. I'm not sure what else I'm supposed to do I'm if not try this wine. Key? Nope. No, <laughs> Bouquets of hot ash and. <laughs> Did, oh, God. Did anyone try? The, I'm going to Google this. Did anyone try the wine? from palm pay okay well i can tell you this uh they did the vineyards of pompeii are now alive again oh nice and so you can kind of go check that out um huh. i'm gonna i'm gonna scroll a little bit and read real quick while, while you continue okay so it says in 2007 a study of prevailing winds in campania the real party animals are the people that study the prevailing winds of ancient cultures showed that the southeasterly debris pattern of the first century eruption is quite consistent with an autumn event and inconsistent with an august date during june july and august the prevailing winds flow to the west an arc between southwest and northwest virtually all the time note that the julian calendar was in place throughout the first century a.d so modern calendar times um as emperor titus of the flavian dynasty reigning in reigning June 24th, 79 to September 13th, 81, garnered victories on the battlefield, including his capture of the Temple of Jerusalem and other honors. His administration issued coins enumerating his ever-growing accolades. Given the limited space on each coin, his achievements were stamped on the coins using an arcane encoding. Two of these coins from early in Titus's reign were found in a hoard recovered at Pompey's House of the Golden Bracelet. 
There is a house in Pompeii. (laughs) They call the golden bracelet. Although the coin's minting dates are somewhat in dispute, a numismatic expert at the British Museum, Richard Abdi, concluded that the latest coin in the hoard was minted on or after June 24th and before September 1st of 79 AD. Abdi states that it is, quote, remarkable that both coins will have taken just two months after minting to enter circulation and reach Pompeii before the disaster. So they were minted in, you know, between uh, June and September. And he's like, there's no way they made their way to Pompeii in time for a for a a, uh, August 24th eruption. Sure. Especially if they were minted after August 24th. But um, in October 2018, Italian archaeologists uncovered a charcoal inscription dated October 17th of 79 AD as it was unlikely to have been a year old which sets the earliest possible date for the eruption so it was no earlier than October 17th because they found a a thing where a guy was like well it's October 17th don't know why that's important but I think I'll write it down here what's that noise <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, okay so <laughs> October 17th dear journal wait Dear Journal, I think I just heard something. I'm going to go investigate. Uh, so real quick, I just want to point out that I was trying to see if anyone had tasted the wine. Yeah. Uh, and I don't see anything about anyone actually drinking it. Uh, but what I can tell you is I did find an article that talks about how Pliny the Elder yeah. was one of the first wine critics of history. And that he, Dude, he wrote was... many books on this. Like some of his Dude wrote like, many books about absolutely everything. Too. Oh, he he <laughs> did for sure. I mean, and part of it, like for so for example, some of it was like medical stuff, quote unquote, right? Yeah. Um, which right. you know, again, go listen to Sawbones to find yeah, out. Exactly. More. Uh, but like for example, he wrote on the healing properties of Prosecco. Um, Ooh. you know, so like that's one thing that he talked about. And he, you know, it goes on and on and on about that. Uh book number 14 of his covered wine, which included a ranking of Rome's top vineyards. Ooh. Book number 17 discussed techniques in viticulture and expounded upon the notion of terrior. Uh, I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming that's something to do with wine. Uh, he asserted that the vineyard exerted greater influence over wine quality than vine type did. Uh, a like foundational the soil. Notion, I bet terrior has to do with the soil. Oh, yeah, because here we go. Here's the next sentence. A foundational notion persistent in terrier driven, sorry, driven, driven, uh, driven winemaking circles. So, yeah, that probably means like like territory. The acidity of the of the soil and like how dry it is and what's in it and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, here's a direct quote. After climate, the next task is to discuss the influence of the earth, which he wrote as Terra, a subject no easier to deal with. Even yeah. the black soil found in Campania is not the best for wines everywhere, nor is the red soil that so many writers praise. Yeah. People prefer the chalky soil in the territoria of Alba Pompeia, uh, dot, 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 and it continues on. So, yeah. yeah, he was one of the first wine critics. I mean, again, wrote a whole damn book about the best wines in Italy. So there you have it. Dude was like a live journal blogger before, <laughs> like, thousands of years he was like all right guys hey everyone welcome to uh it's part 47 let me talking about wine you ever looked at the soil no you haven't i'm the first one you know I like it's the, like I live like... tweeting yeah but, exactly but you know the tweets you can only find like you yeah. know five days later don't forget to hit subscribe and hit that bell for when 79 ad comes just trust me because for 80 ad because that's when i'm releasing my next book <laughs> 80 AD, 
when my book I'm Gonna Live Forever by Plenty the Elder comes out. How I figured out the secret to immortality (laughs) by Plenty the Elder. (laughs) All right. So does not um, cover explosions. Exactly. Right. I've printed it on extra flammable paper because it's going to be hot. (laughs) Um, So in this scene, just to tie both of these things together, they they come through the portal and (laughs) Mobius is like, all right, so let's like knock over a branch or something. And Loki's like, hey, everyone, look at me. I'm a future man over here. Have a soda. Um, and Mobius is like, all right, well, I guess that's another way of, of going. Um, and watching Tom Hiddleston act as, uh, I have nothing to lose. You're all about to die. Like it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. And Owen Wilson being the like, oh man, uh, hang on. Wilson being the straight man is a very weird feeling Mm -hmm. to me. (laughs) Yeah. But I also, I, I will say there's one thing that bothers me about this scene. And that is the fact that they show up in Pompeii. Yeah. In 79 AD, dressed in very clearly non periodical clothing and people just walk right by them, pay them no mind. I mean, like it's nuts to me. How like they're standing there in like literal suits, right? You know, and like a jacket, and people right. are in fucking you know like like uh, what are those called uh, togas and shit? Yeah. You know what I mean, and like no one even looks at them right. until he jumps into the street. Well, I think that I mean that speaks a little bit to me about like no one sees anything really, and eyewitnesses are horrible, and people just want to get their grain done or whatever. That's but fair. also just going to seventy nine AD in your uh, street clothes. That probably would have been enough of a variance test. Right. For That's kind of like, what I was also thinking. It's like, how is that not enough? <laughs> like, just take a step into the street and see if it just goes fucking haywire. <laughs> just you know? catch someone's eye and be like, sup, and then leave. That's all you need to do. Like in Latin, say, no one will ever believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray, time variance, uh, Infamous time variance, most wanted fugitive. <laughs> Do you think that that's what it is? Do you think Bill Murray is just like, he is also a god mm-hmm. of mischief? Yeah. Like of actual mischief, not yeah. like fucking just murdering people left and yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, remember how Bast, we said, was like the god of, uh, yeah. like they, they had got, uh, Bast and uh, the other one that I can't think of the name of, but Bast was like the house cat and the other right. one was like the The fucking actual panther, panther, but like for yeah. some reason- the yeah. Panther is the logo, even though Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Loki is the one that's the actual Panther. Bill Murray right. is Bill the Murray Bast is the of gods cat. of mischief. <laughs> because yeah, because uh, you know one's Garfield. out there fucking shit up, and the other one's just like gently pushing a glass yeah. of water off the counter as yeah. you go. No, no, and Bill Murray just goes mm, push. Bill Murray's that video of the cat like knocking all that shit off the the shelf, just. Mm-hmm. Just like, just taking it sweet time. <laughs> exactly. And that's Bill Murray solved. So I think that's all of my notes. Um, yeah, right. this this episode is is very good. Uh, I think so far the episode that is the wildest to watch if you are just joining us for this show and you're like, maybe I'll give the Marvel Cinematic Universe a try. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. if you're doing that, I want to have you on the show. So let us know. Because like, that's a wild leap to take and we appreciate it. But... If Loki is the first thing you've ever watched in the MCU as well, <laughs> let us know about that as well. Because, like, yeah. I mean, like, if you've never listened to our show, but then, like, the first thing you, you're like, hey, this is the most recent release. I'll just watch this. What is happening? You know, like, pandemonium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. let us know. Ugh. 
and and I don't know if it it should be clear the way we just said that, but this is a zero judgment zone. Watch stuff oh, and sure. take in media how you like. I just want Absolutely. to talk to from a person of no knowledge of plot. Right. Well, that, that's exactly Taking, what I mean, yeah. especially because yeah. this is such a time travel heavy mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Everything like with no context of what's happening. Yeah. Coming into something that has very heavy context and then being like, we're going to go all over the place must be the whiplash of a century. So I really <laughs> want to know what that experience is like. Tom Hiddleston's like second cousin's like, fine, I'll watch your TV show. Oh, I haven't. Fine. And they're like, what is happening? Your show makes no sense, Tom. This is never going to go anywhere. Like, I've been doing it for 10 years. It's like, okay. Yeah, buddy. Shut up, Brenda. Um, Brenda Hiddleston. So <laughs> no, just known asshole. No, I'm kidding. Sorry, I shouldn't say it like that. Because <laughs> what sorry, if there is sorry, a Brenda? Brenda. <laughs> sorry, Brenda. Uh, I think that's it, though. This is a great scene and a great episode. Uh, but like Loki More and Mobius, it's over before uh, you know. You know, you know what? Wait, you know that's what a different hit, podcast. You. Yeah, blink and um, you'll ash cloud. Blink and you'll be Pompeii <laughs> gone. Take um, off your Pompeii and ash it. <laughs> uh, we're just combining all sorts of different uh, scavengers <laughs> network properties. Which, speaking of, hey, yeah, this podcast is a part of the scavengers network. If you've uh, not heard of it before, it, hey, if just like if Loki is your first MCU property, if this is your first episode of the timeline scavengers and of any scavengers network podcast, well, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Check us out at ScavengersNet on Twitter, scavengersnetwork.com to find a whole bunch of other great shows on the network, such as Alabaster's Haberdashery, which, you know, for a show, speaking of time travel, mm -hmm. it's a podcast from the future, from the past. Right. Huh? I mean, it's it's basically the TV show Loki. I don't yeah, want I mean, to overhype it, but... Yeah, for sure. I You know what? That's, that's not my new headcanon, is that during Loki, this whole time, Alabaster's haberdashery is happening in the background. It's kind of like another reference to Scavengers Network. It's like the side character quest of Loki. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, uh, Alabaster is like the haberdashery is some sort of hub for all these variant people coming in over and over and over again. It's the he, same but he person. Has no idea. Exactly. It's the same person, just different variants every single time. That's right. Yeah. That's why they all sound slightly similar. <laughs> slightly actually, same, that makes but like yeah, that makes sense. But they never seem to know him. Yeah, okay, that makes that tracks, that tracks. Um, so yeah, check out Side Character Quest, which is a one-on-one -on -one D and D podcast, unbelievably well done. Uh, and also Alabaster's Haberdashery. You can find those on scavengersnetwork.com. Uh, if you want to find me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Colin M Parker. Uh, and James, where can people find you? Uh, people can find all of my uh, pyroclastic takes on pop culture and uh, sort of my generally skewed view on things at Unabashed James. And what about that Palm Patreon? The Palm Patreon can be found permanently preserved forever at patreon.com slash the scavengers network, uh, where for $2 a month, you too can excavate all of the bonus content that we left behind and that we will leave behind in the future. There's stuff like uh, audio files. There's a a, a meatball subbed based uh, uh, one shot that Colin participates in. Um, mm -hmm. There's a bonus. Sh there's like a a bonus show that Tracy and I do from Thanks for the Lyrics called Thanks for the Videos, uh, where we talk about Fall Out Boy videos. Um, there's written stuff. There's video stuff. 
It's literally, you know, we're talking about the archaeological smorgasbord of Pompeii. This is the equivalent Patreon bonus content. So, um, turn our tragedy into your, no, um, (laughs) turn our comedy into your tragedy, right? (laughs) Wait, I mean, Mm, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, come, come join the Patreon. It's a great time and there's lots of bonus content uh, coming out there um, all the time. And with that being said, we would like to thank you for joining us here on this episode of Timeline Scavengers. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. Excelsior! It's also in Latin, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking maybe I should do it in Latin, but I was like, wait a minute, that is Latin. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, add an us to the end of it. And then you're like, it's also Latin. It's like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to stop right. recording. Me too. Podcube, podcasts from the past delivered to the future. With Podcube's pseudo-linear 4D adiabatic qubit streaming technology, you can select any point in history and record it for personal gain. What was the group dynamic with Australopithecus? What brand of cigarettes did the Spanish Inquisition smoke? Was Leonardo da Vinci a pants guy? Or a shorts guy? You can discover with Podcube. Listen for yourself to the flagship Podcube podcast, Alabaster's Haberdashery, recorded on location in 1880. Simply search PodCube, all one word, in your podcast app or visit poweredbypodcube.com. PodCube, the future is yesterday. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.